You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Having the right focus plus determination is usually the key ingredients to creating success. And that is exactly the case for our guest today. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Well Show. Abbas Mohammed spent his childhood in Iraq sleeping on concrete floors because his family was so poor. When his family came to the U.S. as refugees, his goal was to eliminate poverty from his life. And he did. He's only 24 years old and already wildly successful. And he's here with us on The Real Wealth Show to tell us how he did it. So Abbas, welcome. It's such an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So as you know, we have a lot of investors who are interested in buy and hold real estate. We've got interest rates going up. That can be problematic for multifamily. Um, With single family, you know that you can lock in 30-year fixed rate mortgages. So people who are locked in aren't aren't so worried. They're just seeing uh, rent increases. But what about multifamily? What are your concerns with interest rates rising? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely concerning if you look at interest rates. I mean, they've been jumping up like crazy, and uh, that's affecting multiple things. It's affecting the interest rate you're getting right now, and also it's affecting rate caps. So if you're buying rate caps, make sure that you don't go over a certain amount, especially if you have a variable loan. Uh, those rate caps are getting more expensive. And so another thing you have to factor in is when you resell a property in the future, say in three years, four years, five years, whatever, you have to um, you have to factor in the fact that people may not be able to pay as much as they are today per dollar because their their interest rate is more expensive. So, so the properties are getting more expensive, even if prices stay the same. Um, so having said that, one of the things that we're doing, and this is what I'm recommending to all the real estate investors out there, is when you're buying a property, number one is you should you should put in money for reserves because especially if you have a variable loan debt, which a lot of multifamily investors use. So if you're buying a property that has a variable debt, you should put in at least minimum three months of reserves uh, of interest because interest rates are going to go up. That's just that's just a fact. Now, the other thing that we're doing is um, our reversion cap rate, meaning when we sell the property, we're putting up at least minimum of 50 basis points of what we're buying today. So if we're buying a property at a four cap, our estimation is we're going to sell the property at a four and a half to five cap just to adjust for a market slowdown. Now, is that actually going to happen? I actually, I highly doubt the market is going to slow down. There's a lot of money. I mean, just in over the past two years, we went from having $4 trillion in the economy to now we have 20. So we literally 5X how much cash we have in the U.S. Uh, and asset prices haven't 5X yet. So there's a lot of room to grow. Rents are rising, you know, like we discussed earlier, like crazy. Um, so in my opinion, I don't think the market is actually going to slow down. I'm looking at properties where you know, trying to buy and compete against. And the amount of institutional funds that are just after real estate assets is crazy. Um, and I feel like it's going to continue to stay that way, but it's always important to factor in, you know, a safety net just in case things happen. Always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but three months reserves for multifamily. I, I tell our investors uh, from you know, that are in one to four units mainly to have six to 12 months reserves because you just never know. You just never know. Uh, I absolutely agree. Hopefully we never face another, you know, coronavirus situation, but you, again, that seems to be the new normal. Uh, So it's three months enough. 
Yeah, I would say so. What we do is uh, for the interest rates, we reserve three months, but we do obviously have much higher reserves for the property. Normally, like you said, we like to keep six months as well in the bank just to kind mm -hmm. of stay safe and adjust for things kind of fluctuating up and down. But I mean, three months to four months of interest reserves, in my opinion, is, is you know, that's plenty. That's just to kind okay. of adjust for rate rates increasing. Just the rate side of it. Yeah, just okay. the rates. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you said something earlier about um, rent growth. We had massive rent growth uh, over this past year. I mean, phenomenal. Have you ever seen anything like that? I have. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. It's it's crazy. And same thing with. Um, I mean, if you look at appreciation, the median home price has gone up sixteen point nine percent in twenty twenty one, which is absolutely crazy to think about. That's the highest we've seen in many many decades. And what that is leading to, and also, like we said earlier, there's a lot more cash in the economy than ever before. So what's happening is people are making more money. There's more money in the market. And so the housing prices are appreciating. And that's, what's, that's what that is doing is it's making a bigger gap between homeowners and people who want to be homeowners. And so what's happening is people are forced to rent for longer periods of time. There's more demand for rentals. I mean, I, you know, we invest in multiple markets. Dallas is one of them. And in Dallas, we had, you know, 17 to 18% rent growth last year. You look at markets like Tampa that had 25% rent growth. Nashville, same thing, 21% rent growth. Phoenix. 30% rent growth. And I think one of the opportunities that we're going to be seeing in real estate over the next, you know, few years is uh, you got the value add, obviously, where you kind of come in, you fix up a property and then increase rents. So that's one side of it. But then there's going to be another side, I think, that we've, we haven't seen as much before. And that is basically buying a property that is already fixed up, but the current landlord or current you know owner has not pushed up rents to where the market value is. Meaning, I, I'm looking at a lot of deals where, in a lot of these markets where rents have gone up 30%, and I look at some of these owners, they've got nice properties, it's all fixed up, but they've only raised rents 3%, 4% over the past year. So you could go in literally by doing nothing. You could just go in and increase rents day one and and achieve you know 100, 150, 200 dollar rent premiums, which is what we've done on the last deal we bought. Uh, the last deal we bought was a 30 million dollar deal in Dallas. We went in day one, we increased rents by 50 to 100 bucks, and it, it took our occupancy from 94% to 98% as we spent more money on marketing. So I think we're going to see more and more of that as rents continue to rise at the at the you know record pace that they're at right now. So you look pretty young. How did yeah. you get to uh, buying $30 million uh, apartment buildings? How did you get started? Yeah, so I started off as a real estate agent back when I was 18 years old. And, uh, you know, when I started, I was, I was selling cars. I was going to college. You know, originally I'm from Iraq and growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. I remember even sleeping on concrete when I was a kid. So, you know, after we lost our home and all that stuff uh, in the Iraq war, we came to the U.S. when I was 11. And at 18, I was selling cars, going to college. I decided, look, there has to be a better way to make money than selling used cars. And so I went out and I got my real estate license, um, you know, back when I was 18 years old on a credit card, you know, started off. I didn't do too well for the first year. I spent literally 12 hours a day making cold calls, looking for my first client. And it took me 12 months to just get one, one transaction done. But after we got that transaction done, I, you know, uh, I was able to repeat the process over and over again. Within two years of being in the business, I became one of the top agents in the Bay Area. I was making about 350, 400,000 at the time I was 20 years old. It was more money than all my family had made combined. 
Um, so I felt good about it, but I wanted to go even further. So, and I looked at patterns and some of these top companies out there. And what I realized is that every major company has employees and they have systems in place. And so I systematized my business. I started hiring virtual assistants from multiple different countries like Mexico and the Philippines and Argentina and all these other countries. And uh, I just hired one after another. I realized the more people I hired, the more money we made. Um, you know, so in October I had my first one, and then the second one, then the third, and then COVID hit. When COVID hit, back in 2020, I decided to just go all in. So I hired a hiring manager, and I said, "Look, just never stop hiring. This is our best opportunity ever uh, to grow the business." And so we went from having three employees to having 12. I was able to triple my my production. And then 2021, we went from having 12 to 25, and I was able to triple my production again. But about a year ago, business just got a little too easy. The real estate sales business got too easy. I became top 50 nationwide with Remax, and so we, we did a lot of transactions. But I just got bored, and I thought, look, there has to be a, a more challenging business out there that's a little more fun. And so I started looking into multifamily. I hadn't owned any um, any real estate before. I, I thought about buying single family houses, but I just didn't like all the hassle and all the effort that you have to put in. So I went out and uh, I found a mentor that teaches people how to buy 100 units plus. I was like, okay, I'm all in. That's what I'm going to do. So the first uh, the first apartment I bought was 64 units, six and a half million dollars. Basically, we raised two million bucks on that deal. And, uh, and so that was the first one. And then a few months later, I went out, find, found another one uh, that was 194 for 30 and a half million. So I bought that one. Um, that was, you know, $30 million. We raised eight on that. So that was, uh, you know, that business turned out to be way more challenging than I had wanted, to be honest with you. But it's, well, yeah, it's yeah. When you, said, when you said single families challenging, I was like, oh boy, wait till you get a challenging apartment. You just, <laughs> right. just 64 exit or 196 exit. Yeah, yeah I it's, know. It's it can be very, very challenging. It's so very, what, very what kind of challenges did you face? Well, I mean, a lot of things I thought I was going to get in and uh, it was going to be easy to find deals. It was going to be easy to raise money because everybody talks about how like there's so much money out there. And I thought, oh, well, I find a property. There's going to be a lot of money. But the truth is money comes if you have the relationships built in place. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so basically um, I spent a lot of time last year. In fact, I can't remember anything in 2021 that I did besides going to networking events. I was all over the country, literally went to multiple states every single month. I met, you know, hundreds or maybe even over a thousand people that year, um, you know, just one-on-one -on -one and it was very time consuming, but basically, so I did that. Uh, and then the other thing- And that you raised money that way, going to events? Oh yeah, yeah, meeting people, it's insane, oh, I know. Wow. I know, uh, meeting a lot of people. I realized after doing it for a year, I like doing it, but I realized it's too slow. And so I shifted my focus to do more um, speaking. And so speaking has been actually much faster because I could speak to a group of 50, 100 people, and then I could add them all to the database versus going one-on-one. -on -one. Right. Um, so that was much faster. I wish I realized that sooner, but anyway. Uh, so I did but that. how did you get investors on your first deal when you had no experience? Because that would be challenging too. Yeah, I mean, you know, people just knew that I knew what I was talking about because obviously mm -hmm. I got the real estate background from the sales business. But another thing is uh, I spent a lot of time understanding every little detail within the multifamily business. I met some of the you know most successful people that have 15, 20, 30,000 apartments. And so I basically, what I realized in life is that instead of trying to figure everything out myself, I should just find out people that are doing whatever it is that I want to do at the highest levels and just learn from them directly. So I took the same systems, the same models, and I implement them in, in my business. And so people saw that and they saw, well, okay, so 
there's this guy, then there's the average syndicator that we know. Well, this guy obviously has way better systems, way better processes. I feel like I could invest. So the first deal was a little more difficult to get investors on, but then the next deal I was able to basically 6x uh, the size of the deals that we had. And uh, to be honest, that was actually easier overall than the first deal. Wow. Um, and yeah. this is, you've just been doing it a year. For a year, yeah, yeah, yeah. So amazing, so, and and uh, it's turned out to be a real good year. Yeah, uh, a great good. year to be buying. It's like, <laughs> oh, that was easy. Every all the rents went up dramatically, and uh, but you know, that was kind of an unusual year. It might be, it might be different next year. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to see. This is what I realized is that I couldn't basically be focused on two businesses at the same time because mm -hmm. the market is just constantly changing, and my competition is all in. So I actually recently let go of my sales business. I've hired on two agents to kind of take it over, and my full focus just shifted to multifamily because, like you said, I mean, things are changing very quickly, and uh, it's important to just be be all in 100%. To so be this year totally aware. Yeah. Yeah, this year our target is to do 100 million dollars in acquisitions. Uh but my overall target is to get to a billion dollars in the next 5 years, which you know, I look at some of the people that I hang out around with and they're doing a billion dollars a year, so it makes it feel like it's a small number. <laughs> wow, <laughs> unbelievable. Okay, I got to I got to go back to the beginning. Yeah. I I did not realize that you were we're basically a refugee, right? Yeah, yeah. To this, and and you experienced the war? I did. So back in 2000, I was born in 97, and so the war happened in 2003. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, we were super broke. I mean, I we literally slept on concrete because we couldn't even afford to have mattresses uh, when I was a child. But I remember, you know, during the war, like we would, we were moving from one place to another to just avoid dying and, and all that stuff. And I remember one one memory that stands out to me the most is I was uh, I was going I was in fourth grade going to take my exams and uh you know walking with my dad basically to school and i remember you know just hearing gunshots in the distance and all that oh. sort of stuff and i got so nervous i had a cake in my in my backpack i took it out and i started eating basically like crazy just to kind of calm myself down and the smell of that cake still lingers in my nose every time i open a packaged cake i literally just remember these memories and i can't eat it because it just brings oh. back these you know that shock uh but you know after a while we left um you know went to syria for a couple of years and then came to the U.S. when I was 11 years old and, you know, we had food stamps, we had housing assistance, I mean, every welfare program you could think of. And I just, I just hated it. I hated being broke. I hated my family not having money. And so um, as I was growing up, I just remember even as a child thinking, look, the minute I could get to work and do something, I'm going to make sure that I put in every amount of effort possible to change our situation. And so, you know, I just went all in when I was 18. I dropped out of college and went all in to just having my own business. So I never technically I, worked for someone. <laughs> I've never met anyone from Iraq, but I'm just curious what it's like to be in America. And if at the time it was America you were afraid of. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, to be honest with you, uh, I'm not going to get into politics, but I think a lot of people don't appreciate how good we have it here. Um, I see a lot of a lot of people, you know, they complain about little things that don't actually matter. And in my opinion, if people were to just spend some time outside of the country in different countries and see how other people live, they would much, much appreciate what we've got out here and how easy life is. I mean, even for people that don't make as much money as, as you know, they would like to, it's still easy. Like nobody, I mean, really nobody dies of hunger in the U.S. And you don't see that in many other countries. I mean, even our poverty level is much higher than 
most other people that are you know in other countries so um i feel like i feel like people just don't appreciate what we've got out here as much as they should be I uh, absolutely agree. And that's why I think everyone should travel. And I see that too. And it's frustrating, <clears throat> fascinating. But I, I am curious when, when the bombs were hitting Iraq, was there a fear of America or a hatred towards America? Um, I, you know, at the time I was, a, I was a child, so I really didn't understand what was going on exactly. I, obviously, mm -hmm. I knew that there was a, a danger of death and, and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, there are people there that hated the U.S. There are people that didn't hate the U.S. They hated whatever the Iraq government. So it was kind of both ways. Okay. Um, yeah, at, at the end of the day, though, I mean, everybody got affected negatively, to mm -hmm. be honest with you, overall. Um, yeah. Since then, so. Wow. Okay. Well, it's my understanding that the first eight years of life are the the formative years, the years yeah. when we make, you know, make our beliefs, our core beliefs. And if you were in a, you know, coming from poverty and living in fear, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm blown away at how you overcame that. I really yeah. am just, just blown away. So what would you say worked? How did you come to America and then suddenly you know, yeah. be so well educated, so knowledgeable, and 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 just so aggressive in your, uh, you know, in your you business. Know, I, I, there's a guy I really respect, a mentor of mine. He said one of the things that that we chase in life are the things that we lack, um, and especially things that you lack as a child. Meaning, if you're a kid, like you said, the first eight years are the most formative, and I agree with that. And for me, the first eight years of my life were complete poverty and not having money and struggle and whatnot. So. There are two types of motivations. There's the motivation to chase after something that you want to have, and there's the motivation of running away from what you don't want. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, I don't want poverty again, which is which is really my biggest motivation. I mean, that's kind of why I work as hard as I do. But then after a while, what happened is that I realized, you know, my life kind of stabilized, and I got everything I wanted. Really, I, I you know, I don't have big materialistic, you know, needs or whatever. Um, but then I realized that the next thing that I want to see is, well, what is the potential that I could get to? And, and I think I think that is probably the biggest motivator for me right now is to see, hey, well, you know, what can I do before I die? What is the biggest company I could build? How many assets can we buy? Um, how many employees can we help? Because, you know, I, I see a lot of my employees, for example, their lives have changed since they started working with me. And I've, you know, I've got 25. Well, what if I had 100? What if I had 1,000? You know, how many more people could we help in that direction? So that's kind of why I keep doing what I'm doing. I just, you know, I have fun with it, to be honest with you, more than anything. <laughs> Incredible. Well, you are truly an inspiration. Uh, I appreciate that. Any any last uh, I don't know tips for our audience on how to how to get motivated and make your make your life great. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I work off. I personally would say don't count on motivation. Uh, find out what it is that you truly truly want in life, and then just kind of go all in after it. I I think a lot of people um, hesitate or they're stair step their way into what it is that they want meaning like i remember back in the day i thought hey i do want to get into i always knew i wanted to get into multifamily and commercial but i thought oh i'm going to do that by the time i'm 40 i'm going to stair step my way into it and i feel like that's a very common mistake that we all fall into and we end up wasting 
tons of time, like, oh, maybe you have a job and eventually you want to start a business, but you want to kind of do that maybe over the next five years when really, if you think about it, you could do it right now. You could go all in right now and you do even better. Uh, so, I, you know, I think just kind of choose something, go all in, go after it 100%, put in your best effort. And uh, as, you know, as one of my oldest mentors used to say is uh, hard work always works. If you work hard at the right things, things will work out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Go all in, choose one thing, go all, go all in and be a success at it. Absolutely. That is great. And and you can do that with anything, literally anything. I had a friend visit just yesterday who, is, his name's Cameron Hughes, and you've probably seen him in the bleachers if you've been to any sporting games. One day he was at a at a football game or something and and he just got up and started dancing like a wild and crazy man <laughs> and the cameras were on him and he was so animated he got the whole stadium up dancing and cheering so they got his name and said we want you back we want to pay you to do this at every game he is now a professional fan no way a professional fan <laughs> i didn't know you could get paid to do that you can get paid to do anything again if you go all in and when you i mean all in he was he was giving a dance that, you know, you couldn't halfway do. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I that, that is phenomenal. And and recently I realized that like in my own business, I was kind of, you know, doing multifamily and then doing my real estate sales business. And it's doing well. I mean, last year, you know, I netted close to 2 million from the sales business. And then I, I just decided recently, like, look, it's, it's, it's good. But for me to get to what's great, I have to let go of even, even $2 million a year. I mean, that, and that, that is a big jump. And I feel like a lot of people have way less to risk and they still don't make the jump. Um, so make the jump, you know, whatever it is you want to do, just make the jump and do it. Wonderful. Well, <clears throat> it's really been a pleasure to have you here on the real wealth show. And I can't I wait to have it. you back in a year and see what uh, you're president. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'll get that far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Thank great you so having much. you here and I uh, look forward to having you back. Appreciate it. Take care. If you'd like to learn more about how to build a portfolio of single-family rentals, go to realwealthshow.com. It's free to join and visit our investor portal where you can see sample properties and connect with our network of real estate professionals. That includes experienced investment counselors, property teams, lenders, 1031 exchange facilitators, attorneys, CPAs, and much more. Again, that's realwealthshow.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.